This is Random Discourse, the podcast. Welcome. Thank you for everybody that listens, joins in live. Um, back with another rendition of the uh, Random Discourse podcast. Uh, we've been it's it's been a little while since we talked college football. But I'm here with Brian and Anton will be joining us a little later on. Uh, what's going on, Brian? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. A lot, lot to talk about. A lot of things that have happened in the past couple of weeks. But I'm looking forward to diving in and having some discussion. Yeah, I know we've been keeping in touch through via text message. We just haven't done the podcast. And I know you uh, I know Amy probably had a, a, a mild heart attack with that Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> Dealing with Michigan. It's been I was saying it's funny. It's been uh, for the family, you know, with Navy, Florida and Michigan. It's been three straight weeks of being three and oh, which is like never happened before. So <laughs> hey, you got to relish in that when, yeah. when you get. <laughs> oh, but your Navy team is looking looking very well. They look good, um, man. They look good. What they have to get past Memphis and then what they're so in the they beat Memphis two weeks ago. They got Houston, right. they got Tulsa this week and then Houston next week. And that game against Houston will probably be for, for the uh the division championship, so then they'll get to the conference championship. Yeah, I know Houston is trying to aim with uh mm-hmm. finishing undefeated. I yep. was um I was thinking, man. Uh I know um Brett Bielema brought up something and I had thought about this prior, uh about the uh conference challenges kind of like what they do in the in college basketball um that wouldn't be a bad idea if it was something that would be easily easy to implement i don't think that's something that could happen probably not within like the next five years uh because the way teams do their schedules but um i think with the college football playoffs and the way everything is headed and how you know you have these non-power five conference teams um joining into the race and ending up being ranked in the top 25 when a lot of people didn't think that was going to happen. That's why they made the power five conferences. Um, I really do think that's something that the respective commissioners of each league should start to to look at. I'm not sure how you, what, what you feel about that, but I, I, I really do think that's something they should. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on board with you. I mean, I, I get a kick out of, watching the basketball version of it because you see those matchups that you don't really get a chance to see. And in football, it will be even more exciting because, you. I mean, if you, just as an example, you'd have like a Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Florida, Michigan in the first or second week of the season. I mean, ratings would be through the roof. The players would be focused on those games all offseason. would give them something to be motivated about instead of kind of getting ready for those cupcake games at the beginning of the year. I think it would be awesome for college football. The only question would be, which conferences to match up. And, and in my opinion, I mean, this is just personal opinion, doesn't have anything to do with factor or data. It's just, I would like to see SEC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, and then ACC, AAC. Because, you know, you got to throw in that sixth conference if you wanted to do it. But to me, that would be the most compelling matchups because the Big 12 with those high-powered offenses, I would love to see how they match up with that SEC, more grinded out defensive style of football. So. I- I, I, I could agree with that. I, I think maybe they can have a round robin of sorts, mm. you know, year, it, you know, once they set it up, okay, these are the six to eight conferences that we're going to have that are going to play each other. And that these are your not, these are, you're going to schedule at least one of these teams for your a non-conference game. It doesn't have to be happen all on the same week, which is the beauty about, it. 
you know, if a team like Alabama or Ohio State are going to play, of course they're going to play each other at the beginning of the season where it doesn't hurt as much to lose versus trying to schedule that game towards the end of the season. But I, I think it would uh, cut down on a lot of things that we're seeing right now, like the SEC, for example. If you look at their, their, their matchups that they have going on this week, Nobody is playing anybody outside of LSU and Ole Miss, and that's just the way the schedule happened to fall. But Alabama's playing the FSC team, which is an Alabama norm under Nick Saban, just preparing for the Iron Bowl and then the, the college football playoffs and the SEC championship. Uh, I just it, – it was it's something great for fans, and I think that's something that could garner a lot of uh, – extra revenue for the NCAA conferences, you know, universities respectively, because as much as the NCAA likes to say that they're not a revenue generating entity, we all know that's that's the farthest from the truth. Yeah. And I do think it would be something that the athletic directors and coaches will be on board with because a lot of these teams are getting punished by the committee for not playing tougher schedules. You look at Baylor, they still have never cracked the top four because the committee just doesn't like the fact they played Sam Houston State and Lamar and some of those other schools in the first four weeks. If you paired them up and made them play like a Texas A&M or a Florida or something early in the season, it would really I, th- I think the ADs and athletic directors would, or the ADs and the coaches would be all about it. I, I, I agree. And I mean, that I guess that that'll bring us in to the other thing I want to talk about. Like you say, Baylor's getting um punished by the, the committee. I don't think they're really getting punished by the committee. I mean, this is something this is Baylor's own doing. They mm-hmm. it, now that they have the opportunity and they're in this now, they should they have the opportunity to change up their schedule. They could tell these schools like Sam Houston State and Lamar that hey, we need we're gonna have to change up our schedule. We'll pay you off. We'll give you the money that we were going to pay you to play you. But we have to add somebody else on our schedule that's going to beef up our schedule and make us look a little bit better in the eyes of the committee when it comes down to this time, because it it, it is true. Um, if you if you aren't playing people, you don't deserve to get the credit of being a good team, yep. because if you're just padding your stats, uh, essentially, it's, it's kind of like um, throw, in basketball, throwing a missing a shot on purpose to grab the rebound to get a triple double. Mm hmm. And, yeah. and that, it, it's not necessary, especially but, when you're a big time program. I fully agree. I mean, you talk about Baylor and the other team is North Carolina. I mean, if North Carolina had a tougher non-conference schedule, they they played South Carolina, which was great. But then they played Delaware and North Carolina A&T. If they had just put one more good team in there, they might mess around and be in the top 10 right now. But they're I mean, when you look at that as a committee, you can't you cannot reward scheduling t- terrible teams like that. So I, I fully agree with you. You know, I, I agree. If it, it, It's not like they're like Houston. It's not like you're trying to build your program up. So you need those wins to build your program up until you get to, to a sustainable point where, you know, you're recruiting top talent year, uh, week in, week out, year in, year out. You're getting these classes, these talent that come in that now, you know, hey, I have the depth on my roster. I can go I can go after one of these big time teams and let's see what we really have. So as far as Houston, I, I, I have them as one of the – I know I said uh, we wanted to – I want to get into this, but we're, we're heavy into the college football playoffs talk, and we already know who the top four are as of right now. I want to know who has the best shot – what teams have the best shot outside of the top four 
of making the actual college football playoffs. I mean, I went through and I broke them down by conference just because it was easier for me to do that. But um, there are, I think there's about, what do I have? Eight teams that have a, a possibility. Uh, well, I have six teams that have a possibility and I have two dark horse teams that probably won't make it even if they went out, but it would be nice to see them get that opportunity if they did. And I'll, I'll start with my with my favorite dark horse team, and that's Houston. I like what Tom Herman has done, and he's recruiting very well. And he has, it, I, I want to say, he has one of the most re- fertile cr- recruiting areas, just immediate areas in the country, as far as being in that Houston area. And I know they 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 have UConn and they have Navy. Navy is probably the best game that they have left, and they might possibly play Temple in the AEC championship. Now, depending on what happens with Temple, what happens in if Navy can win this week and go into their game undefeated, and they if they can beat Navy handedly and win their conference championship handedly, I'm not sure if they get in, but that that will solidify them for at least a New Year's a New Year's Day bowl. I don't know how you feel about the the chances of Houston getting in, but I, I'm. It's just yeah. one of those things. Yeah, I, th- I think we fully agree there. I think they have a, a very dark horse shot. If they were to win out, it would at least make the committee have the conversation to say, do they deserve it? And I think the problem with Houston, unfortunately, they did kind of go out and schedule some tough teams in, in big conferences. They played Louisville and beat them at Louisville, and then they played Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. I don't actually that game might have been in Houston, but they beat Vanderbilt. It's, it's just unfortunate for them that Louisville hasn't had the season that they thought they were going to have, and Vanderbilt is kind of, you know, they're under 500. But yeah, I mean, I think Houston's a very good team, and I think that Houston Navy game will end up being the game that determines what non-Power 5 team gets into the uh, the New Year's Day Bowls, because I think the winner of that game is going to go on and, and make that happen. I mean, but when I look at – I don't want to harp on Houston, but if I just look at their schedule compared to Baylor, what's the biggest – what's 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 really the big difference? I mean, if you look at the, the amount of uh, ranked opponents that they're going to end up playing, they're going to play about the same amount of ranked opponents, and their non-conference schedules really end up being the same uh, – uh, about the same. And if you end up going undefeated versus – uh, one, maybe two lost team and say Baylor or anybody else in front of them, you have to, I mean, it, you have to respect that and give them that opportunity. I know a lot of people are like, no, there's other teams that went out and played tougher schedules and ended up losing one game. But anybody that's played the game of football knows how hard it is to go undefeated. And I think any team that ends up going undefeated in, 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 that that has the capability to get into the playoffs should get into the playoffs, but that's just me. Who do you like? I can tell you who I have as far as the teams that have the best shot. I have Iowa, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and TCU. North Carolina was my other dark horse. We we just touched on that. That if they went out and it and get to the the ACC championship game as far as with, with North Carolina, and if they can beat a Clemson team. On the with the role that they're on, I think it's kind of it, that will be similar to Ohio State, except for the fact that they don't have the big name recognition like Ohio State did last season. Mm-hmm. So I agree with all the ones that you said, but I, I and then I'm gonna so let's stay on the ones that you said. I fully agree with you. I mean, Iowa is has a great chance that that Big Twelve conference as a whole. Whoever comes out of that, if 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 any team can win all the rest of their games out of that conference. 
you got to love their position, whether it's Oklahoma. If Oklahoma State goes undefeated, they're definitely in. Oklahoma has a great shot as one loss. I think Baylor still even has a shot if they were to find a way to beat um, TCU and um, Oklahoma in the next couple of weeks, or Oklahoma State in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, I fully agree with you. And Michigan State has everything in front of them. They got Penn State and Ohio State. The three teams that I would I would take out of there, the ones that you didn't mention, just so we can touch on those a little bit. I love Florida's position right now. I think that everybody's got to be looking ahead and saying, OK, Florida probably doesn't have much of a chance against Alabama. That's what most people would think. But in 60 minutes, one game, I mean, Florida, anything can happen. And then they got Florida State next week. If you're Florida and you went out, you beat a number 14 ranked Florida State and the number two ranked Alabama and you're a one loss SEC champion. You're definitely in. So I just think they have to understand that they control their own destiny there. And then the two kind of dark horses I'll give you, and the reason I call them dark horses is because they're two lost teams. But I do not think that Stanford and Michigan are out of it yet. And I know that may sound crazy to some people, but if you look at Stanford's position, they play Cal this week, and then they play Notre Dame. If they beat Notre Dame and then they beat Utah in a conference championship game and they're a two-loss Pac-12 champion, and then let's just say for argument's sake, a couple of these teams ahead of them lose, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State play, they'll one of them will drop out. And you've got Baylor plays a couple of tough games. You got Florida playing some tough games. There's a there's a real way that Stanford can creep back up one by one and maybe creep into that as a Pac-12 champion if they were to handle Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. I, I could see that, but I just don't think a two-loss uh I, I I wrote this down in my notes. I just don't think a two-loss Pac-12 championship team will will get in. It, it, it's just they it, to lose two games. And yeah. granted, it, it's going to be hard pressed to put them in over a one-loss team because you still there are still a, a plethora of one-loss teams. Say Michigan State wins out and they win the Big Ten title, they they they'll get in over them. Say a, a one-loss TCU team, as beat up as they are, they went out the rest of the games. They'll get in over them mm-hmm. because any to any one-loss team, I would any one-loss team in the Big Twelve Conference, regardless of when you lost, I will take I will take the Big Twelve champion over a two-loss Stanford team. Now, what about would you say the same thing about Michigan? Assuming, let's just say for argument's sake, Michigan. Let's say they go into Penn State this week. Get a let's say they get a convincing win by like ten or fourteen. Then they play Ohio State at home next week. Let's say they beat number three Ohio State, and then in the Big Ten championship game, they beat number five Iowa. And then let's just say, you know, a couple of those teams like we talked about have some upsets. Florida loses, Michigan State loses, Baylor loses. I mean, does Michigan have a shot as a two-loss Big Ten championship? Michigan probably has the best shot because of who they have left. Because if they – if they, but this is the thing. If Michigan State beats Ohio State this week and then Michigan turns around and beats them again, then that kind of it waters down their schedule. Yeah. So and and it opens up the door all the way for Iowa Mm -hmm. because Iowa is sitting pretty right now. Iowa's like all we have to do is just we have to beat Purdue. Make sure that they don't get caught napping against Nebraska because Nebraska is still a good team. That's gonna be a tricky one. Yeah. And. Hope that I mean, I, I if I'm Iowa and Kurt Fritz, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that number one, Michigan State beats Ohio State this week, and then um, Michigan turns around and, and beats Ohio State. So that way, Michigan ends up in the Big 12 in the Big 10 championship game, and that's a better matchup for them than say playing Michigan State or Ohio State. I 100% agree with that, yeah. So there, that, that's that's what I will be looking for if I was there, because I mean, it, 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 Iowa, 
they haven't played anybody, but because they're in the Big Ten and because they beat the teams in the Big Ten that are on their schedule this year, which haven't been the best teams, they're getting the benefit of the doubt with the committee. I don't think Iowa should be ranked number five currently. At, at all. I think Iowa should be more of a 10 in the 10, 12, in between 10, 15 rank. You know, it's re- you know, it's really helping them, which is it's funny now, now that it's played out this way. The with Northwestern beating Stanford and then Iowa totally annihilating Stanford, they're able to say, look at what we did. And then this past week helped them out, too, because they beat Iowa State. Everybody wanted to say Iowa State wasn't good, but then Iowa State took Oklahoma State down to the wire. Mm-hmm. So some of those games are really helping Iowa's resume look a little better. But I'm with you. I don't think they're the fifth best team in the country. But th- those guys, they just keep winning. It's interesting. They keep winning football games. But, I mean, the thing about this, they beat, uh, they beat Northwestern and Wisconsin. And Northwestern and Wisconsin play each other this this weekend coming up. And that's going to dilute Iowa's schedule because no matter if, if Northwestern loses, they'll fall out of the of the committee's 25. If Wisconsin loses, they're going to fall out. And mm-hmm. then they're going to look and say, okay, well, Iowa beat them. But now we see what type of team that the they are. Northwestern. Yes, they're having a good season, and Northwestern has one of these seasons every 10, 15 yeah. years. <laughs> yep. Northwestern really is not a good team. <laughs> not. Yeah. And, you know, I, I fully expect Wisconsin to go in there and to dominate Northwestern just like Iowa dominated Northwestern. Now, what and, do you think about this? Just you know, I know we've been on this subject for a while, but one last thing I have for you on this. I think this week will be pretty easy for most teams. I don't see Notre Dame struggling with Boston College. Uh, I don't see, you know, Bama or Clemson struggling. And, I mean, mostly I don't see Iowa struggling too much with Purdue. But if you look ahead to next week, the current playoff rankings, all of the top five are on the road in rivalry games. And I just have to believe when I look at that, just as a college football fan, I know for a fact at least one of those teams is going to lose an unexpected game, maybe two. And and it's funny because Clemson's at an unranked South Carolina who's having a bad year. They're not going to make a bowl. They have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Auburn. Auburn has nothing to lose. Michigan is going to – I mean, Jim Harbaugh have those guys ready to play Ohio State. Stanford, I mean, they'll they'll be ready to play Notre Dame. Nebraska, they'll have nothing to lose against Iowa. I think that last week we could see complete chaos. Can you imagine if, like, two or three of those teams loses? That, that'll be – I guarantee we're going to see one loss in the top five next week, maybe even two. But we'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I, I I could agree with you. I I wouldn't be surprised to see two of the two of the top five teams lose, and it's just everybody's gearing up for rivalry, especially in the SEC. Everybody is gearing up because they know the rivalries are coming, and that they need to be ready to play. And I could see, you know, if for as well prepared of a team as Alabama is, I could see a very talented but underachieving Auburn team beating them to close out the season, to go out on a high note. Just like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were a better Auburn team, but nobody expected them to lose that game two years ago. Well, I mean, think about what happened. Though. Yeah, it was crazy. I, and I, I, That's why I love that week. I, I guarantee there's going to be a couple crazy plays, and we're going to be looking around like, how did this team lose? It's going to be amazing. Uh, but it, it, the, the, the best race going down right now is in the Big 12. It, yeah. it hands down is in the Big 12. I love the way the Big 12 ended up scheduling, making up for what happened to them last year with it, with their scheduling this season. They're like, okay, 
we'll we'll schedule everybody to play the the cupcake teams of our conference earlier in the season. Now, when it gets down to it, the four the four teams that we think should be there, we're gonna have you play each other and duke it out. And it's kind of like King of the Hill, last man standing. You're our champ. Yep. And you got um, it's a, it's a perfect example. Starting off, I mean, with TCU at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is coming off a big win at Baylor last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people were thinking that Oklahoma would have beat Baylor as handedly as they did. The score was not indicative of how that game was really played. Yeah. Yep. Oklahoma has quietly come back on the scene. And I've said this before that I was, and I said this when we did our, our preview show, if you remember, I said, Oklahoma is the dark horse, the way their schedule mm-hmm. finishes out. If they went out, They'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, and, I agree. Right, and right now it's it's looking like them they're gonna make me uh make make my prophecy come true. You know what'll be interesting though is let's say Oklahoma does win out and let's say Notre Dame wins out and they're four and five. Who do you put in, Oklahoma or Notre Dame? Because Notre Dame beat Texas thirty eight to three in week one, uh, annihilated them, and then Oklahoma un- unexplainably, unexplicably, I should say, lost Texas. If it comes down to a battle between those two, I I don't know. Would the committee lean towards Notre Dame? I mean, it, there's a lot of factors you have to you have to take into that. Notre Dame got a worse Texas team than mm-hmm. Oklahoma did because they had what what was that swoop still at, yeah. at their starting quarterback and he's terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> uh, Gerard Hurd came in and. You can see how well Texas has played since they installed Gerard Hurd as their quarterback. They actually look like a, an up-and-coming team now versus with Terrell Swoops as their quarterback. They just look like a middling team that was going to end up finishing with no more than two wins if they if they would have stayed with it. So, yes, it's a bad loss for Oklahoma, but that bad loss can be wiped out by beating – teams that have all been I mean, I mean essentially all the teams that they have left to play have been ranked at one yeah. point or time or another in the top what top 10 except yeah. for Oklahoma State which is climbing up where they are now so I mean I, I think as long as they keep winning that's going it, it, it that's the only thing they need to worry about they can't worry about what the committee will think they just need to win yeah you win and know you you did what you were supposed to do and go from there. I mean, I really wouldn't mind seeing, hey, if Notre Dame gets in over Oklahoma, I wouldn't. You know what I would love to see? If Notre Dame does get in over Oklahoma, I would love to see Oklahoma play Houston in a New Year's Day Bowl if Houston can win out. I would love to see that matchup. But that is a good point to bring up, Brian. Um, But TCU, TCU is struggling, man. And I don't mean uh, from a team aspect as far as they're not ready to play. They're just struggling from a health standpoint. Yeah. All they have is Trayvon Boykin now. It's yep. just Trayvon Boykin and a suspect defense trying to make – trying to hold on to what little hopes they have of making the playoffs right now because a lot of people are writing them off. Yep. I still think with Trayvon Boykin you have one of the best play- – one of the best college football players in the game currently – and he just needs somebody else to step up for him, whether it be Aaron Green, uh, Kamonte Turpin, um, somebody on that offense to step in for Josh Dotson and and make some plays because he can't do it all. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, are we getting into the game now, or you want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that I think that's the key there. You have a they're they're basically a wounded duck, 
or I shouldn't say wounded duck, but like a wounded animal. So you, you kind of look at them and you think they might be down. But I have a feeling they're going to be ready to play this Saturday. They're going to give Oklahoma all they can handle. And like you said, the question is, can somebody else step up and make plays? Because with, with Boykin, he's even banged up a little bit. Does he have enough in him to lead this team to a victory? I think he has enough in him. But I'm just not sure that the TCU defense is going to be able to stop Oklahoma because Baker Mayfield is playing out of his mind right now. Samaj P. Ryan is playing out of his mind. That Oklahoma team is playing with the swag that we thought they'd have the past couple of years. It seems like it's coming this year. So if, if, if I'm having to pick this game, I like Oklahoma, um, but I think it'll be tougher than most people think, With even with TCU's injuries. I'm, I'm, um, I like Oklahoma because Oklahoma is at home. And it, it, TCU has a phenomenal offense, but I don't think I, I just don't know if that three three five that Gary Patterson likes to to put out there on on the defensive side is an is right, and is going ever going to lead him to a college football playoff or to a national championship because that defense he puts out is too little to to stop the run, and their DBs aren't fast enough to hang with the, with the speedy wideouts and that they have to deal with on a consistent basis mm-hmm. in the Big 12. So I'm not sure. I do have a question, though, as far as with this. If Oklahoma wins out and, and Baker Mayfield continues to play as well as, as, he's, as he's played, do you think he should get some Heisman, uh, garner some Heisman uh, talk? Because Absolutely. he's the reason why Oklahoma is winning. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's – He's currently in my top three. If I had to vote today, he'd be in my top three. I think he's – you're exactly right. He's been, he's just stepped in and become a leader of this team. He, he's he been the quarterback that that uh, Oklahoma's been missing the past three or four years. He brings in an attitude. He brings in leadership. He brings in confidence. And he's got the talent. So, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. He's in my top three right now. What what, what Who was that uh, Oklahoma quarterback that won the Heisman Trophy and led him to the national championship? Wasn't that Hypo? Uh Jason White. Jason think, White, yes. Yeah, 2003. That's what Baker Mayfield reminds me of. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not – I think he's a little bit more talented than Jason White, but he remind, this team reminds me of that Oklahoma team. Yeah. Um. But Baylor. Baylor is coming off that loss, and they have to go to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um. The last time Baylor has lost back-to-back games was 2012, mm. which has been a long time. And – I think they have they, they want to show that the game that they played against Oklahoma and the team that went out against Oklahoma is not that team that the nation should have seen with their first big game of the, of the season. And I think I actually think that Art Browse will have his defense ready to play a, a whole lot better. Number one and number two, I want to know how well uh, Jared Stidham will play with that added pressure of having to win this game. They yeah. have to win this game in order to stay alive. So you like Baylor? Um, I'm not sure if I like Baylor per se. That's just something that's on my mind. No, I got you. I mean, I'm, I think you nailed everything that I would, I would have said about this game. It's a matter of, because the offense has not looked the exact same without Seth Russell. I mean, Stidham has the talent and that future looks bright for him. Um, you know, the next couple of years, he'll be in the Heisman conversation in the next couple of years, but he still has some of those freshman moments. And particularly on third down, I've noticed he doesn't have the confidence on third down to see the read and just let the ball rip like those veteran quarterbacks in those passing 
type pass those, those air raid offenses have. I mean, when you see the read, when you see what the safety does, when you see the linebacker does, you got to let it rip right away. Don't be scared to throw an interception. You just got to let the ball rip because it's a timing offense. And you can tell there's times where he'll take that extra pat. And when you pat the ball in the Big 12 with some of those defenses like Oklahoma and even Texas and some other teams, you're asking for trouble. So I think Baylor's future looks bright. But in this game here, being on the road, I, you know me all season. I've said I do not like true freshman quarterbacks on the road. So I would have to roll with Oklahoma State. Hey, but, you know, the last time you went against a true freshman quarterback on the road, that was a boy from UCLA, and he actually ended up winning that oh, game. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> so, you know what? <laughs> just because you said that, I think Baylor just it just got a, a, a little bit uh, – their chances just increased a little bit more. <laughs> but, I mean, the, it's going to be an interesting matchup for this game. You, you have to look at Baylor's offensive line versus Oklahoma State's defensive line. Baylor's only allowed 11 sacks. And in the last two, since Stidham has started uh, at quarterback, they've had, what, four sacks? I want to say four or five sacks. And with the whole time with Russell, they only had, what, the six. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, Stidham, he's, he's – Young in that offense, he's inexperienced, so he's holding the ball a little a little longer than he should, which has led to some uh, unnecessary sacks. But that Oklahoma State defensive line is underappreciated as far as when it yeah. goes in, in college football. And they have Emmanuel uh, – I don't want to m- mispronounce his last name o- – Ogabai. I know you're talking about. Yeah, I can't yeah. pronounce it either. <laughs> but he is a beast on that – coming off the end. And it's just going to – to, it, it's going to be very important for that that Baylor off uh, offensive line to keep Stidham upright because if they can't, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. The one other thing is that the Mike Gundy that he, he employs two offenses essentially. It's not just that one; it's it's two with the with the rotating quarterback system. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how Baylor reacts on defense to that to that because nobody has been able to deal with it as of yet it even yep. gave iowa state trouble when they had the lead yep and of course we get to the michigan state ohio state game the this is a game that you know i know michigan state had circled on their calendar from last year because this is the game that stopped michigan state from being able to get into the playoffs yep. and this is the game that got michigan up up and rolling and everybody started saying hey Ohio State is on the way. And it's similar to what Oklahoma, how they lost to a, a bad Virginia Tech team. Yep. Oklahoma lost to a bad Texas team, but they just keep winning and they win the right games. Yep. What what do you when you look at this game, what what sticks out to you the most? For me, it's two people. It's Ezekiel Elliott and JT Barrett, which everybody knows about. Everybody has him on their radar. But this offense in the games that J- uh, JT Barrett has started has looked completely different. He is He's far more dynamic than Cardell Jones right now. And I think that's just a matter of the experience. Like Cardell, people got to remember, he was only a, a first, he was only starting his fourth game at the beginning of this year. I think JT Barrett has more of a run threat because he can actually read the defenses better. His passes are more accurate. He's more... So he's, he protects the ball in the red zone. This offense is much better with JT Barrett. And then Zeke Elliott, in my opinion right now, he's my vote for Heisman, slightly over Derrick Henry, because he has been carrying his football team. Anytime they need a big play or they need a grinder to hold on to a lead late in the game, he's been the guy. I love Michigan State's toughness. I love their grittiness, the way they pull out wins. They've, played, they've had a lot of close wins this year. And I thought they were going to get another one at Nebraska a couple weeks ago, honestly. But 
the fact is for me in this game, this is a classic Urban Meyer setup in the sense that everybody's saying that they're not playing that good. They dropped from number one to number two to number three in the polls. People are unimpressed with Ohio State. This is where Urban Meyer kind of rips the cork off. And 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 I think this one is actually going to get ugly, believe it or not. I feel like this is going to be just like when Ohio State went in and played uh, Wisconsin in that Big Ten championship game last year. I think it's going to be ugly. So I got Ohio State winning this one. I, I can agree with you on that. Connor Cook is hurt. He, yep. He's not 100%. He's got what a, a shoulder injury. And I just don't think Michigan State's defense is as good as it used to be in the past, especially with the loss of Pat Narduzzi. Yep. That's going to, that's a, a real that's going to be a really big issue when it's going to rear its ugly head. Um, even though it's been competitive in the last four years, Ohio State is leading the series 29 to 13. And that's thanks to two runs of uh, winning five straight and six straight games, respectively, in the past against Michigan State. And I could see this turn, this, this game turning into another one of those, leading into another one of those runs where uh, Michigan State doesn't beat Ohio State for like the next six, seven seasons, or depending on how long Urban Meyer decides to stay before he says his heart hurts or his head hurts, <laughs> or I need to go home and and watch my girls grow up in, in college. You know what I'm saying? It, it just all depends. So I would love for this game to be competitive, and you know what? This it very well could turn out to be what uh, maybe four or five years ago when Michigan State ended up beating a superior Ohio State team mm-hmm. ten to seven, just because nobody thought they were going to be able to do it. I mean, the Michigan State is a very talented team. They're 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 an old team, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that that they're more mature than I would say they were last year, and ready to handle this because they know what to expect coming into this game and what type of team that Ohio State is going to get. Get uh, what time? What type of team Ohio State is? I should say. So, uh, I, I'm. I, I would. I would love to say Ohio State, but my gut is telling me Michigan. My head is telling me Ohio State. So I, I think it's a push, because I think Michigan State really wants to prove that last mm-hmm. year was a fluke. They really do. Um, I think that's it, Brian. I know. I know it seemed kind of quick, didn't it? But yeah, I think we rolled through it pretty much yeah. everything. I know you got. I know you got date night with the wife. Yeah, so, uh, head out. I'm a, I'm probably gonna talk football with her to be honest with you at dinner, but I try to keep I try to keep it to a minimum. <laughs> oh man, no 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 football talk with, um, with at the uh, on during date night. But yeah, but I'm I'm sure we'll have plenty to um, I'm sure we'll be communicating via text throughout the weekend. And as as we all know, you know, we usually go in. The only last thing I have to say is we usually go into every weekend saying, you know, this team should do this. We think this will happen. And then there's that random game that kind of creeps up and we're like, wait, who's playing who and who's losing? And I think mm-hmm. that ha- that has a very good chance of happening this weekend. I mean, Notre Dame plays Boston College. Maybe keep an eye on that one. Purdue has played a couple teams close. Iowa better not be sleepy at that noon kickoff. I mean, there's a couple of interesting games on the slate that we might have to keep an eye on. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. You know what? I'm so worried about Florida. I'm, yeah, I'm worried yeah, about Florida. Yeah. It's like I know they're not playing anybody, but still, man, <laughs> yeah. with our offense the it disappears sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I like to thank everybody for listening. Um, it's one of the quicker college football conversations we've had. Um, Anton, we missed you. Uh, I know you would have liked to have been on, um, but I like to thank everybody for listening. 
You can find us on SoundCloud on the Random Discourse um, or on iTunes under the Random Discourse podcast. If you go on, if you're a member of SoundCloud, like the like this, uh, follow us. You'll get updated whenever we put a new uh, recording out. Um, if you follow, watch us live on Blab or if you've heard about Blab, we do the, we, we record live all the time and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. Brian, I appreciate the time as always. Um, go enjoy dinner with the wife and we'll talk again next week. Appreciate it. <laughs>